The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins. He is a traditional Catholic priest. He's also a member of the Society of St. Pius V and the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Very fine, Tom. Thank you. Yourself? Doing well. Great to be here again, Father. Uh, Father, I thought I could start with a very nice email that uh, we received in regards to our most recent program. It's from a viewer who uh, writes in and says, The magnificent strength of Father Jenkins' words in this message gives us increased guidance for our daily prayers and also a solid Catholic direction which increases our strength of faith during these days of the very obvious good versus evil. Deo gracias. God bless you all. Your work and effort that keeps WCB on the top of my list is much appreciated. You're in my prayers. Well, thank you. Definitely. And uh, the prayers... The best part. Yeah. <laughs> definitely need those these yeah, days, absolutely. especially. <clears throat> yep, absolutely. Thank you very much. Yep, well, Father, uh, one <clears throat> topic that I wanted to get into tonight, we have received uh, several several emails from viewers who have expressed a lot of concern about uh, the possibility of some sort of uh, vaccine for the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. And um, <clears throat> there's a lot of concern, Father, um, regarding this. I mean, it, it seems even... Uh, with whether it be a, a President Trump or even a, a President Biden, uh, that there would be possibly to at least some extent uh, some kind of mandatory uh, vaccine. So the, the question is, Father, how should, how should Catholics uh, treat this, this question of a possible mandatory COVID vaccine? There's been a lot of talk of um, whether or not these vaccines are derived from aborted <clears throat> fetal cell lines. Um, what, what what should our opinion be on this, Father? What should we have in mind in regards to this question? Well, with regard to mandatory vaccines, uh, the question mandatory, you know, first of all, comes up as to what does that mean exactly? Mm-hmm. I mean, something can be made, made mandatory by uh, enforcing it by law, right? So that someone is a criminal for not taking it. And uh, when President Trump mentioned he was going to use the United States military to distribute the vaccine, that raised a lot of red flags. And certainly the situation will not uh, be any less, um, any, any less threatening, shall we say, under a, a Joseph Biden presidency or a Kamala Harris presidency, right? Because the left, and I do uh, list Biden and Harris with the left, uh, do believe in totalitarianism. You know, they, they supposedly make up some kind of liberal uh, element, but they are anything but liberal, okay? Mm-hmm. Because the liberty goes only for them. It doesn't go for anyone else. So, in any case, um, with regard to the mandatory nature of the vaccine, it could be made mandatory such that one could be jailed, one could be imprisoned if he doesn't know the vaccine. One could be socially sequestered, sent to a FEMA camp. Uh, one could be blacklisted, as um, uh, this uh, uh, Ocasio-Cortez woman 
said she wanted a list of Trump supporters so they could be banned from employment and so on. So there could be a social stigma attached and there could be a large penalty to play so that it would be perfectly uh, legal to discriminate against them. Uh, in fact, uh, I just got off the phone uh, about a half an hour ago from a, uh, from a call. I had to talk to a state legislature here about uh, the possibility of uh, getting legislation uh, in the works that would, uh, first of all, uh, forbid any state lockdowns of the economy without uh, the approval, without the, the okay of the, uh, the, of the legislature of the state. I think wherever there is a Republican state legislature, they should think about moving to uh, enact certain, you know, articles of legislation to protect the populace against uh, totalitarian regimes. <laughs> and uh, uh, such as we've seen already happening uh, with health directors, state health directors and governors who seem to be uh, um, imposing whatever the health directors tell them, you know, isn't, without any real serious investigation and scrutiny. So uh, before a state's uh, populace is, lay, is, is locked down in their homes, essentially put under, under house arrest, and before their businesses are shut down, uh, at least they have a protection of the state legislature. Uh, their legislatures are those they, they, they elect, right? And whom conceivably they could recall if they didn't represent them well. So they would give the people of the state some control rather than simply some uh, tyrannical edict that comes from a health director, uh, an appointee of the governor who has not been elected by anyone. Um, so I thought that would be one good step. And another good step would be to uh, enact legislation uh, saying that in that state, a vaccine would not be mandatory. And not only that, not only would it not be legally mandatory, but that the state would uh, protect the rights of those who do not take the vaccine so that they could not suffer discrimination. We have rules uh, forbidding discrimination for a lot of things these days, right? And uh, why not add that to the list, right? I think legislators who uh, would favor such, uh, such bills now and get them into law would be very much favored by the people. I think the people would see them as protectors. Do you see any of this kind of legislation them. coming to fruition now? Uh, th there have been efforts made. Yeah. There have been efforts made to get legislation through, and uh, either the the houses, the the, the state, uh, you know, house, the state senate have been at odds with each other, or yeah. um, or the senate has even passed the bill with the house, and the, the governor has vetoed the bill, as happened here actually, as has happened in Ohio. Um, and they're all Republican-led, Republican too. Yeah. Hard to imagine, right? But anyway, I think we do need to start seeing the states, especially Republican legislators, step up and insist that the states have um, the duty to protect the rights of their, their people. Mm -hmm. And uh, starting with this. And one of, the, one of those things, as I say, should be this, this vaccine business. <clears throat> so, uh, but as far as the morality of it, because... The legality of it is one thing. The morality of it is what really matters to us as Catholics. If these vaccines are developed from uh, fetal cell lines uh, and they result from abortion, obviously, this is something abhorrent uh, to 
us as Catholics, to our uh, the Catholic Church, to our moral theology, our, our morality. Um, can one justify under any circumstances taking such? Uh, if it really, really were a matter of life and death, in the sense that if it were a matter of life-saving uh, qualities of the vaccine, um, one could make a, a moral argument that because it does not actually, it's not complicit really in the abortion, it would not have approved the abortion, it would not have even tolerated or allowed the abortion if possible. But uh, if there is some benefit that could be life-saving now, one could make a moral argument according to the principles of Catholic moral theology that one could, one could take it. But that's a big if, because these vaccines that are being uh, pushed out right now, and they're being driven out. They're, they're being, I mean, we had um, Operation what, Warp Speed mm-hmm. going on to get these vaccines out. And um, the sad part is that the president was so determined to get this vaccine out, I think it was being driven by popular opinion, or what he thought was popular opinion, uh, generated by the Democrats, um, that he didn't realize that, uh, uh, maybe he does now, that a large, large number, probably even the majority of his constituents, don't want that. That they wouldn't want it, and nor would they take it. Um, even those who might not even be aware of or opposed to the origin of the vaccine um, are very, very concerned about it because it has not been properly tested. Now, just recently, well, you know the story that after the the so-called elections of November 4th, uh, November 3rd and 4th and 5th and 6th and 7th, it goes on and on, um, uh, suddenly Pfizer announces that it it has uh, developed a vaccine that they say is 90% effective, you know, and uh, but that they had they had actually revealed this to to Joseph Biden before the election. But uh, President Trump had to find out through the grapevine that they had done this. So it's very obvious that they're being politically motivated. Um, Now, as far as I know, um, that might well have been developed from the fetal cell lines. Uh, Since then, Moderna has come out and announced that they also had developed a vaccine. And they say it's uh, got a 94.5% efficacy in uh, preventing the... uh, contracting COVID-19. And so, um, you know, these are very high numbers. Even uh, even Anthony Fauci is uh, dazzled by that. He said he would have been happy with a 70, 75% uh, protection factor, but this is not supposedly 90, 90, almost 95%. How, how trustworthy are those numbers? Well, that's the problem, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> how much do you believe? Yeah. I mean, these these big pharma here, uh, is in the hands of uh, not only um, bureaucrats, largely, I'm sorry to say, even, even those who are in the medical field, unfortunately, um, you know, have, often have a very high stake in these things, the success of these. The companies, obviously, uh, we're talking about billions and billions of dollars of revenue at stake here. And uh, on top of that, you have the political ramifications of the vaccine, all the political interests uh, and now we're talking about billionaires who are behind these things, pushing these things, uh, financing these things from the rear, and who have a stake also, a financial stake in these things. I mean, even Anthony Fauci, reports have come out that Anthony Fauci has a pretty big stake in, in uh, some of these pharma- pharmaceutical companies, even in terms of uh, patents that he can claim from um, 
research that was done with public monies. And this is an interesting claim. You know, I'd like to know more about that. Um, just how many patents does uh, Anthony Fauci hold based on the research that was done uh, through you know, using public money, public grants and so on? I'd like to know that. And how much does he stand uh, to gain uh, by pushing this or that vaccine? <clears throat> so now in saying that, I'm not defaming him because this actually is, is out there and people are looking for answers to these questions. They have a right to answers to these questions. Uh, the expression cui bono, to, to, to whose good is it? I mean, who benefits from it is always a very important question uh, when it comes to a matter of law or finance, right? Um, so on top of that, then, we, we have to ask not only who, who's behind it and who's, who's benefiting it from it, but uh, the fact that it is being used to drive towards a great reset in the world, right, to reset everyone's life, uh, even their very identity, you know, we should do a program, an entire program on the Great Reset to let people know what is this all about. I mean, this is the ultimate objective of the political, um, the political agents operating here, right? They're all directed toward this Great Reset, the Great Reset of Capitalism, which basically is the end of free enterprise. Anything it would, it would actually take capitalism and turn it into a socialist tyranny. And, uh, you know, when you, when you get the financial powers of the world working hand in glove with the, uh, with the political powers of the world, I mean, that's almost the definition of, of socialism, right? And whether, whether they are capitalists or not, if this is what the, where the powers come together, they converge in this, uh, great reset. It's world socialism. I mean, let's face it. If you go to the WEF, that's the world, uh, the world Economic Forum, as I recall, uh, the World Economic Forum, started by Klaus Schwab, who is the one who called for the Great Reset, saying this is the time for the Great Reset. The, uh, the website in, in, upon this subject explains it all. It's very interesting. And uh, it's sold with the mantra, you will own nothing, period. You will be happy. Almost as a, as an order, you right. will be happy. Sounds like Fauci today saying, you must now do what you're told, right? And uh, so this is the future, uh, according to Klaus Schwab, his World Economic Forum, Forum and his uh, Great Reset. So anyway, we should do a program on that whole, uh, that whole thing. Sure. But in any case, um, the question that people often ask, though, is, um, what's in these vaccines and how do I trust the people whom I don't trust with anything else? Uh, doctors I wouldn't trust with the health care of my family, right? Financial uh, people who I wouldn't trust to even manage my investments and politicians who I wouldn't manage, uh, even trust to manage my, my uh, civil life as a citizen. Why would I trust them if they're thrusting a vaccine at me and pointing a needle at me, coming after me with a, with a needle and telling me it's perfectly safe? Uh, the very Anthony Fauci, who is saying hydroxychloroquine must not be used because, well, we haven't had all the clinical trials we need, although it's been used for 60 years now, is the one who's pushing these vaccines through in a matter of weeks. Yep. 
and who's going to sign off and, 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 and apply for emergency use of these vaccines. So when you see this kind of hypocrisy and this kind of uh, contradiction, uh, and, and let's face it, I mean, from beginning to end, there have been nothing but contradictions coming out of CDC, right? Uh, WHO, right? the World Health Organization. Contradiction after contradiction. This does not inspire confidence, quite the contrary. So why would one, why would one believe what they say when they say, well, this is what's in our vaccine. It won't hurt you. Um, people have a right to be concerned, you know. Uh, someone, who is it, uh, somebody said it's going to affect the DNA. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually, when you, when you're, when you're dabbling with RNA, I mean, you're, you're going to do something to the DNA of people, you know, it's going to affect people on the, on the level of their, their genome. And uh, this is very serious business. They're already, from the political and economic uh, uh, level, they're saying that they're going to, oh, they're going to unite our social, financial, and digital uh, identities. Well, what about those who don't want their social, financial, and digital identities united? What about those people? They have nothing to say about it, right? It's just that these people decide they're going to do this to everyone. And uh, notice one thing they left out was uh, spiritual, right? I suppose they are going to unite our spiritual identities too, right? The oh, one boy. world, one world religion worshiping, <clears throat> worshiping. Uh, I guess at this point, COVID nineteen has taken over the world. But, um, this is a, a frightening prospect, and. Um, I know people are very nervous about this, but I think this is, these are very hopeful times because it's as though the head of the snake is now out. The head of the snake is now visible. We can see it. And this is when Our Lady's heel can strike it. <clears throat> the head of the snake is now, is now exposed, so to speak. And, um, and I think the head of the snake has become exposed because they feel that they are unstoppable. But the fact is, they're very stoppable. And uh, I think the, that serpent has been stopped before when he tried uh, to, uh, you know, extend worldwide control. And it can be stopped now. And uh, there are those who are willing to stand and face this and to deal with the consequences. Thank goodness. I think that is a result of our prayers. So. The real question with the vaccine is, uh, well, if, if they're threatening to take my children away from me because I will not allow them to be vaccinated, if I'm in the military and they're insisting that I must be vaccinated or I will lose my commission or I will, who knows what, you know, yeah. when I have the brig. Yeah. If um, I'm, my, my employer says I have to be vaccinated because if I'm not, uh, I can't function in the business. Yep. <clears throat> well, those are personal decisions you have to make from a legal point of view. Um, that's why I'm suggesting the legislatures get involved, at least, at least on that level, and start trying to lay in um, some kind of protective groundwork there. But as far as the morality of it all, um, you know, again, if, it, if it's a matter of uh, saying, well, I, I have so much fear of this vaccine that I think it is uh, potentially life-threatening and would uh, affect my children and myself, you know, it would actually be surrendering, surrendering my life and my identity to these people. One could say, well, I will not do this. They'd have to be willing to pay the consequences, you know, to, to suffer the consequences and carry that cross. 
The question is, well, am I obliged to refuse it? Well, if it is immoral, yes, you're obliged to refuse it. There are many who would say, well, just the very thought that derived from the fetal aborted stem cell lines or, you know, uh, was cultured in fetal cells, that in itself is, uh, is the end for me. I, I would not accept it under any circumstances. Um, but that's not the same as saying, according to Catholic moral principles, could it be accepted under any circumstances? Mm -hmm. And if one applies those circumstances, one could make a rather significant, I think, case in Catholic moral theology that it was a matter of life and death one could because one is not consenting to the abortion or approving it in any way. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have no intention of taking it. <laughs> Never any intention not to. Mm -hmm. Father, uh, if only for that reason. Yeah. Even if that for re one reason alone. Yeah. One, one other um, question that we got in regards to these uh, possible <clears throat> mandatory vaccines is, what do you think about the possibility of this being... Uh, the mark of the beast, or at least kind of a, a precursor to that. I mean, we already see with the uh, with the mask mandate, you know, it, to some extent at least, how much you can't buy or sell or trade without without this mask. Um, now, what if they take it one step further with with this vaccine? Well, the vaccine itself wouldn't necessarily be the mark of the beast, but the digital uh, certificate that you'd receive yeah. Yeah. saying that you had in fact right. received the vaccine that could very well be. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's part of it. The mark of the beast uh, might involve having that vaccine, but probably will involve other uh, steps that you've taken to worship the the new world order. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would say that's that's probably uh, one of the ciphers in that uh, in that um, mark. Okay. Wow. One of the one of the sixes, right? <laughs> All right, well, Father, if you're up for it, um, I thought we could get into a few other uh, viewer emails. We, uh... Well, by the way, yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It. No, go for it. You mentioned the... Uh, we were talking here about the eventuality. We were talking about what happened under President Trump, saying yeah. that the military might be involved. Yes. And uh, under uh, a... Uh, I read President Biden, right? Yeah. And we're dealing with the election aftermath there. And every day, practically every hour, we're coming with more and more information, right, about Dominion, about uh, the, the digital coup that was uh, in play before our very eyes. People are actually watching vote totals change. Some increase dramatically, some simultaneously decrease dramatically. People are actually seeing this happening. And uh, now, of course, with uh, Sidney Powell, the uh, attorney for General Flynn, now has gotten involved, and she's a very powerful voice in this. And she says they have the goods, and so does, well, the, the, the attorney who was the attorney for the boys from Covington Latin, uh, for Nick Sandman, right? He's also very much involved. I think he was involved even before Sidney Powell was. And there are a number, and now Rudy Giuliani has taken over, you know, on part, behalf of President Trump. But I, I, it's it's amazing what information is coming out now about how corrupt this entire thing was. And that's why I say I think the head of the beast, the head of the serpent, is now exposed because now all of this is coming to light here. The 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 depths of this of this of this corruption and the degradation of our political system. 
um, are coming to light now. And it's shocking a lot of people. And um, so I'm, I'm hoping that there's enough goodness left in people that they will react. The fact that even with all the double dealing that was going on with the election time, that there were over 70 million people who still registered votes for Donald Trump, uh, tells me that there are a lot of people out there who still recognize uh, right from wrong. Not that Donald Trump, of course, is a paragon, a paragon of sanctity or anything, but he still uh, was representing a platform that was uh, largely moral. Right? I mean, there were, there were flaws, no doubt about it. But, uh, and I think people voted for him for that reason, because of the morality that he represented. Okay? Um, and that, that I, th I find very heartening. <clears throat> After the two, well, during the 2016 election, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton referred to Trump supporters as uh, the deplorables. Mm -hmm. But now, with all of this unfolding, we, we see it's really a battle between the deplorables and the despicables. Because there's nothing more despicable than what they've done. And knowing what they've done, then to continue supporting it, it's just phenomenal. But as I say, if somebody uh, throws his support behind abortion, he's already sold his soul. Essentially, he's already sold his soul. And uh, there's nothing, there's no nothing so de degrading that is beyond that person, as far as I'm concerned. They're, they're just, it would take a miracle of grace, you know, to, to save them. But there are examples. There are examples. That's why we need to keep praying. Yes. But they're capable of anything. I mean, stealing an election is nothing compared to aborting a baby. Uh, stealing an entire nation is nothing in comparison with stealing, uh, aborting one child. So um, that's, that's the depths of the evil we've come to. But uh, now, that, now that this is all coming to light, it, it just had to be made known. And this is about the only way it could be made known in this way, that it come to this extent, that there are people who would not simply swallow this anymore, and they were just shaken to the point where they had to come forward. And even those who are, who are actually involved in this attempted coup and are still now, even now, trying to pull it off, are admitting more and more of what they've been up to. Even the FBI under Ray now, supposedly, is investigating uh, irregularities in the election. And not that I have any confidence that they will come up with anything of value, because uh, if they've gotten involved, I would think it's because they're trying to defuse the situation and, and sort of tamp it down. Uh, because I don't think they're on the side of the American people, unfortunately. That's my own opinion. <laughs> but, um, you know, something that I, I... I understand Donald Trump feels that they are stealing the presidency from him. And they're trying to. I understand that he feels very much that he is the victim of an attempted coup. And I believe he's, true. he's right. But I think every single American... Whether they voted for Donald Trump or not, if they voted in good faith, should feel betrayed by this and should be personally outraged by this because every one of us is a victim of this. And especially for those who voted for Donald Trump, I think they should feel personally outraged that they are personally the victim of a terrible crime, of those who would steal from them their liberty and their, their political voice, their vote. But that's what's behind all of this. 
But we read about what happened, uh, this dominion and all of these people behind this, and all of those who supported Dominion and whom Dominion has supported. I mean, Dominion has, has actually made uh, donations to the, to the Clinton Foundation. And, um, you know, you look, at, you look at this Great Reset and who's involved in this World Economic Forum, started by Klaus Schwab. I mean, the AARP is, is a member of this. They're involved in this World Economic Forum. So is Walmart. And you go down the list of those who are involved in this World Economic Forum now pushing for this Great Reset. Realize they're all they're all involved in this. They're all to the, it's just astounding to me that you have the the massive forces of our modern society. You have the banking industry, the leading banks, right? So you have like the practically the entire force of the financial world. You have the social world with all of its uh, its, its celebrities and <clears throat> and all the rest. I mean. In the military, we have these people who are very active right now, pushing for this. Okay, the media, of course, the media are all behind this. This the great reset, reset, <clears throat> and uh, and you see all of these forces that are pushing, pushing and pushing and pushing and have been pushing and pushing for all these years to pull this off, and they haven't succeeded yet. It's amazing, isn't it? After all this, all of those enormous powers behind this, pushing and pushing and pushing for this, they haven't actually been able to succeed in carrying it out yet. And it's come now to the point where they're still meeting opposition that is preventing them from actually completing, you know, with the, with the death stroke. They, 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 they just can't do that yet. Even the medical field, right? The medical field itself, they're largely uh, pushing and pushing in this direction. So every, everywhere you turn, I mean, the great forces in our society worldwide have been bent, and I would say even hell-bent, and pulling this off. And yet, the, the, you know what this tells me? The power of prayer. I mean, the power of prayer. It amazes us to think that it has come to this point. But what's really amazing is that it's only come to this point, and only now. With all of this effort of the powers of hell to move, to move the entire world in this direction, they still haven't succeeded. And by the grace of God, they won't. So this tells me that there's, a, there's an enormous amount of prayer. A, the power of prayer is extremely powerful. And we have to redouble and uh, triple those powers by praying with all of our hearts and souls, with confidence in, in God, even as Our Lady asked at Fatima. Um, because as impressive as, as these powers may be to those of us who are still engulfed in this world, it's still amazing how weak they are when it comes to the power of God, and how they, they can be held back and thwarted and frustrated um, by the graces that God gives. So that's what we have to pray for right now. That's right. Uh, well, Father, if we can get into uh, just a couple of emails. We had a viewer who wrote in and said uh, that Sister Lucia of Fatima, she said that one of the final battles would be uh, regarding marriage and the family. So do you think, Father, that we are uh, in uh, kind of the stages of this final battle where we are now seeing this, um, this great fight uh, against marriage and the family? Oh, no doubt about it. Yes, yeah. yes. 
And uh, certainly the street forces of, of uh, Soros and uh, his open society and so many other elements that are, that are supporting these, the rioters, the peaceful rioters, of course, uh, BLM and Antifa, their, their programs are very much against uh, family, especially BLM, you know, the Black Lives Matter. They've scrubbed their website, but they, they made no bones about it. They were against the nuclear family. They, it, people have pointed out how saturated Black Lives Matter is with homosexuals and how vehement they are in pushing that program. And uh, I don't think most black people would want that at all. I think they'd be horrified by that. But this is what they're being given now. And these are the people who are stamped, stood up to represent them. Um, so this, this agenda, this anti-family agenda is a very, very important thing. Um, let's face it, you, you can't really have the great reset if there's still family love and family loyalty. If there's a family unit, the communists saw this, the socialists always recognize that. Because if you want to break down society, and you, such that every man, woman, and child in society has one allegiance, and that is to the party, right? Big brother, whatever it is. And that is the only allegiance that is allowed. You have to destroy the family relationship. You have to, to destroy the unique love between the husband and the wife. Uh, being the husband for his wife and the wife for her husband. You have to destroy that. Destroy that wonderful and unique love between the parents and their children, the children and their parents, right? And this, this network of relationships within the family, because, I mean, the father loves as a father loves, and a husband loves as a husband loves, and uh, the wife loves as a wife, and a mother loves. And these loves are unique uh, loves. I mean, they're not all identical, same, right? There are loves that forge certain kinds of relationships. And the most powerful relationships we can possibly have, because they, they mirror our, our relationship with God, our faith and our hope and our charity. And uh, so that has to be destroyed by these people if they want to have their great reset and uh, come to a world where you own nothing and you will be, you will be happy. Right? Um, we know the stories from the Soviet Union where children were rewarded for turning their parents in for speaking against the, the party or the Soviet. And uh, parents were imprisoned or even done to death. And the children rewarded for doing that to their parents. This is kind of a, a, a mark of that beast, as it were. And um, so they're, they're out to do that again, Tom. And as you point out, they're pushing the every matter of perversion to destroy that family unit. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, then another question, Father. What do you think of Dr. Taylor Marshall and his YouTube channel? Is he consistent with uh, traditional Catholic teaching? I think that uh, he is largely. I think he's avoiding certain conclusions, though. Uh, I, look, I, I can't presume or pretend to speak as an authority on Dr. Marshall's YouTube channel, okay? Because um, I, I haven't really watched that much. Uh, but the reason why I haven't watched that much is because I can't. Uh, you know, I'm trying to be a full-time, well, priest to <laughs> take care of souls and uh, have a school and so on. So that occupies much of my time, like I mentioned last time, where the gentleman said I should write books. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm honored that he would think so, and I appreciate that, and I wish I could, but 
Um, there are priorities right now that would prevent that. So, but uh, but I, I I would say if I were to watch, that would be Dr. Marshall's um, um, site would probably be the, one of the first I would go to, um, because I do think he has a lot of, to say that is really true to traditional Catholicism. Um, and I think he really is a traditional Catholic at heart. I think he really has a traditional Catholic faith. But I, I do also think that there are certain conclusions that he and others like him are resisting because they see a dilemma and they don't know how to go forward to resolve that dilemma between authority in the church and what's happening, you know, in the Novus Ordo. Um, notably, how do you solve a problem like Francis? I, say, I guess, what were the... Was it the sound of music, right? How do you solve a problem like Maria? Well, here we have, how do you solve a problem? Francis, this is the problem that everybody's dealing with. Yep. Um, and traditional Catholics have worked out, I think, the right answer to that question. You know, um, But I, I think the conservative Novus Ordos, who still realize, as, as Archbishop Vigano says, that uh, Vatican II was an abomination, right? He didn't use the word, I don't know, I don't think. But, you know, we have to just kind of bury that because that was a tragic mistake. And, but they're still following the religion that came out of Vatican II, the Novus Ordo. And as long as somebody recognizes that Vatican II and its aftermath were a tragedy and uh, uh, kind of like the attempted great reset <laughs> for the Catholic Church, <coughs> I think they're living a contradiction. Rejecting modernism, or trying to, and yet living, accepting the Novus Ordo, as though it's somehow Catholic, and it's not. It's never intended to be. So I, I, I would have to say, I'm I hoping that Dr. Taylor Marshall and others would stop, stop giving credence to the Novus Ordo religion that came out of the modernism of Vatican II, and just practice only the traditional Catholic faith. Uh, so, um, you know, that's, that would be one caveat I would have for anyone watching there is realize that they're, they're on the trail, but they haven't arrived yet, you know, at the destination to realize the Novus Ordo is not Catholic at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, then another question, Father, uh, we, we wanted to get into this one last week, but, uh, didn't have the time, so I'll bring it up now. Sphere says that our Lord taught us to go directly to the Father in prayer with our petitions, but St. Louis de Montfort uh, tells us in his book, True Devotion to Mary, that we can receive nothing in prayer which does not go through the Blessed Mother first. Uh, so which is true, Father? Do, uh, can we go directly to the Father, as the Lord teaches us in Scripture, or do we have to first go to the Blessed Mother? Well, actually, the question you ask does not really correspond to what you said moments before. Because the questioner asks, <clears throat> well, he points out, Christ says we can go to the Father in, in his name. And that's true, right? Mm -hmm. But that nothing comes to us from the Father except it goes through the Blessed Mother. That's, that's different. Yeah. It's a different thing. <clears throat> to say we have to go to Mary, we cannot go to God the Father first, is wrong. And no Catholic would ever say that, right? Um, in fact, our Lord, in a sense, presumes that we're going to be going to the Father in his name, right? He says that. I tell you not that I will ask the Father for you, but you, the Father loves you because you have loved me. <clears throat> you, you can ask, but ask in my name. 
ask in my name, okay? It's like that's the, the password, <laughs> in a sense, to, uh, to the grace of God, right? But Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But to say that when God answers those prayers, he sends the answer through the hands of our Blessed Lady is a different matter. Does it mean that God could not give any grace to men except to the, kind of using the, the heart of our Blessed Lady, her Immaculate Heart as the great spiritual pass-through? No, God could certainly do that. But he can choose not to. He can choose not to do it that way. He can choose that all of the graces that he grants come to us through Our Lady. He can choose, choose that if he wishes. And it would be suitable for him to do so. It wouldn't be suitable by a de condigno, as they say in theology, as though somehow <clears throat> Mary is worthy of this in her own right, because she's not, no one is, but that it would be congruous, it would be suitable for God to do it this way, because it was through her that the great promise given at the very beginning of the world, after Adam and Eve had sinned, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring, and so that the great Redeemer and Savior, who, who really brought all graces of mankind in himself, right? I mean, he is the embodiment, literally, <laughs> of, of Almighty God, right? The Son of God <laughs> incarnate. And so Mary brought him into the world. He came to us through her. And so if we said nothing else and said that the Son of God, the Savior, the Redeemer, was born of Mary and came to us through her, we would already be saying that all the graces of mankind, for mankind, have come through Mary. We'd already be saying that, essentially. And um, after that, it's just a matter of explaining in all the details, drawing out the implications of that. So, in fact, God has given all graces through Mary, in that all graces have come in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And uh, it's a done deal, you know, already. But it is also very uh, de congruo, uh, uh, suitable, as she would say, that, that God would um, will that through her, as the Savior came, his graces would come to us through her. And she would um, be truly Our Lady of Grace, and we'd be, you could say, the distributor of the graces, of God to man. Could God decide that he wanted to do that? Yes, certainly he could. Uh, is there anything in Scripture or otherwise that would say he hasn't? No, actually, including what our writer wrote there, that uh, our Lord says, go to the Father in my name. <clears throat> and we do. Uh, even when we invoke the saints, even when we invoke the intercession of the Blessed Mother, that presumes that we're going to the Father in Jesus' name, in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean, okay, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to pray, but I want you to go and pray for me. That's not what we do when we invoke the saints. We're not just asking the saints to pray for us, we're asking the saints to pray with us. We're asking them to join their prayers to ours. It's just that we, in all humility, consider our prayers to be far less in terms of real spiritual value, in terms of faith and hope and, and love for God, that our prayers are very inferior. 
because we see now through a glass in a dark manner, because our hope is very fragile. How often we get nervous and shaken when we don't see things moving the way we want them to and pray for them. And how little we love God. And with that faith and with that semblance of hope and that, that meager charity, we're going to approach God, but we approach in the name of Jesus Christ, okay? And that's what gives power to the faith and the hope and the love we have. Um, but we also see that God has given us allies in heaven. As our Lord said, make friends for yourself, right? In the mansions of heaven, make friends for yourselves there. And when we ask these friends to, uh, to uh, pray for us also, as we're put a good word for us in heaven, uh, we're not asking to do that in our place, as it were, or um, because we're unwilling to do so, we're asking them to join their prayers to ours. That's what we're asking for. We're submitting a petition, let us say. But we're asking them to sign the petition with us. Um, it's the right thing to do. Doesn't take anything away from God, quite the contrary. Just honors his will because this is how he wants it done. All right. Uh, well, Father, anything else you would like to add in closing? That's always dangerous at the same time. But uh, I'll just say people, you know, recognize God is still every bit the infinite good God, he always was, right? And uh, the question is whether we're going to hearken to, uh, to his voice and what he wants of us now. <clears throat> So we, the graces are still there, and we shall open our hearts to receive them and to employ them, put them to good use for God, make them profitable, um, and uh, we'll fight the good fight here on earth and try to make this turn out as right as we can. At least we can within our own souls. We'll try to do the same within the souls of our loved ones, too, by our prayers, good examples, and sacrifices. But we have to here fight for our country. You know, the... Uh, the leftists um, implying all of their all of their infernal machinery to try to take over the world and our country now um, seem to have overlooked something, and that is that once they have pulled out all the stops and they're going for broke, as it were, that we are going to have to fight them, that we're going to have to throw off the uh, the, the, the bonds of death, or the bonds of, of earth, uh, actually, as the uh, Air Force <laughs> talks about, the surly bonds of earth, right? And to uh, rise up. We're going to have to rise out of sleep, as, as we'll read soon in Advent, right? The beginning Sundays of Advent. I mean, the next two Sundays, we have the last Sunday of Advent, Gospel from St. Matthew, the first, I'm sorry, the last Sunday after Pentecost, Gospel, uh, some St. Matthew, the end of the world. And the first Sunday of Advent, then, the next Sunday, we'll have the reading from St. Luke about the events of the end of the world. And um, it seems that the timing is perfect to hear the words, wake up, wake up. Now is the time to rouse from sleep, right? Uh, well, guess what? The alarm has gone off, and people are beginning to wake up and realize, hey, there's something to be alarmed about here. Um, you know, uh, there's a fire going on here, there's a, a fight going on there, there's an earthquake going on here, and it's all on a spiritual level. People are coming to see that. And by the grace of God, they're going to respond to it. They're going to respond to it in the right way, in, in God, according to the grace of God. That's what we have to pray. We have to set the example to try to provide leadership. 
Because this is one thing people desperately need. When there's no prophet in the land, this was a great punishment from God in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah, the prophet, said that the, the debauched and, uh, and immoral people would be led by, by children and would, like Greta Thunberg maybe, would be led by children or be led by homosexuals. This was a curse on the, on the land for the debauchery of the people, right? So uh, we have to pray that God will raise up worthy leaders who will uh, set the example and lead the way, the right way, you know, in a, in a godly way. So uh, that's, that's where we are right now. Uh, as dire as the situation may look, I think it's uh, actually extremely hopeful in the sense that uh, I see people are willing now to face the facts and maybe listen to the voice of Our Lady of Fatima. It's just that we have to, we have to now instruct them in the message that Our Lady brought us so that people can rise to the occasion and now finally uh, respond to her, respond to her. So I say God bless you all. Yep, Keep praying. Sure. Keep praying. Yep. Thank you, Father. God bless Pray the you. rosary. Yep. Thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady of Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.